talk about our conversations that follow the program, projects and participants of Walk and Talk's multiple editions. They exist to map and move ideas between geographies. And in 9.5 edition, they become a podcast series with 10 episodes made available throughout the festival. Multiple voices to imagine new common spaces. You are listening to... So, in the sort of tight spaces of quarantine, I've gotten to ebooks for the first time. I usually use them as a way to assess a book, like, you know, to see how invested in it I am or, or, or not. And ultimately, it's just a way to see if I'm going to buy a book. There's this bookstore near my apartment in New York that I miss so much now. The feeling of deciding on something or running from my studio before I know they close at 8 p.m. And obviously I know I'm not alone in these longings. Um, but I think what maybe streaming has been for a lot of people in quarantine, ebooks and sort of PDF copies of books have become have been for me. In the shifting circumstances of isolation and this feeling that life is being atomized, it's turned into this novel. <clears throat> The interior aesthetics of the 8th Street store were unforgettable, not only for the clothing and the staff, but also in large part for the colorful murals that artist and house member Martine had painted all throughout the dressing rooms. His work was featured in all of the store's branding, including bags, magazine advertisements, and custom-made clothing, like hand-painted denim jackets. Martine's siren-like imagery iconized the House of Fields aesthetic codes of urban sex appeal, strength, and androgyny. Although the store was quite small in scale, everything fields was larger than life. From the bodies, hair, and makeup to the attitude and talent. I remember seeing Jojo walking down the street near building one night, en route to limelight. He was wearing a billowing leopard print jacket and black thigh-high boots that accentuated the already his already natural, naturally long legs. His hair was done up in a wig made of giant barrel curls, a signature of the House of Field master wig maker, Perfidia. He looked like a sexy tarantula sauntering down the sidewalk. Even in all that geish and outfit, Jojo still managed to look like a tough New York City boy. <clears throat> so that was an excerpt from my... Wonderful and amazing friend, Walt Cassidy's new book, New York Club Kids. Um, Walt is a figure, you also know Walt. Mm. Um, Walt is someone that entered my life in a really, in an almost magical and kind of mystical way. He, he came to a House of La Doja show um, at... Some club, some club in like Chinatown that I'm forgetting what it was called, but it was owned by Andrew W.K. Mm. <laughs> they used to, and everyone hated that bar because it got that that music venue because it got raided by the police, um, and in a really intense drug bust. So it was always kind of just hanging under heavy energy. So mm -hmm. the pat downs are really intense. Anyway, House of the Doja had a show there, and they were playing with Sean, and I was backup dancing for Adam and Antonio, and Walt came up to me and was just like had the most intense i mean he's like he's like gorgeous and very like i don't know he almost looks like he's like like hot wizard or something mm -hmm. and walt came up to me and introduced himself or whatever and he asked me like what i did like what like 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 where how long i've been in new york whatever whatever and then he told me he was just like he was said something along the lines of like, you know, he had lived in New York for a while and he was just like, 
there are those that have the flame and those that like flock to it. And he was yeah. just like, flames are where, and you just need to know you have the flame. Mm. I was like, oh my God. Had he been watching you dance? Like at the at the show, like were you dancing? Yeah, or what were you yeah, doing? Was, were you just I walking was dancing, around? I was like dancing on the stage. Adam and Tess. So House of Ladoja oh, yeah. is like the. If you don't know, House of Ladoja is. It's it's both my New York chosen family, but it's also a, a musical group by the same name, um, headed by Doja, and then Adam at, Adam at the time was performing with Doja, and. The, their music is really next level. Like people get really high if there's a lot of immediate, mm-hmm. like, like, like kind of like, you know, underground celebrity fandom energy or whatever. But they, when I moved to New York and started hanging out with them, we were just so obsessed with each other. They were like, you have to come on stage with us. You know what I mean? In, in whatever way. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, explicitly that I would backup dance or what I would do really. But that's what I ended up doing. There's actually yeah. videos from that. Yeah. And what was, like, was that moment in New York, because there had been so much time kind of also between different scenes that had had happened at different times, and, like, was, it must have been very different from how it is even now. It was very, it was very different. Oh, Santos. Santos Playhouse was, mm-hmm. I think, the name of the venue. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like. Or was it Santos Party House? Maybe? Santos Party House. Santos yeah. Party House. Period. Yeah, I think I've heard that name. Right, owned by Andrew WK. Yeah. Period. I saw um, Andrew WK play in Lawrence, Kansas, and at some point. <laughs> I'm obsessed. <sighs> I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know. I don't know a lot of Andrew W.K. songs. At one point, yeah. I downloaded an album. I've definitely listened to the full album from, like, Party yeah. Hard or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Was. That was, like, when I saw him. And it was actually a really good, really good yeah. show. Um, but I think, like, you meeting Walt in that context is, like, kind of, like, I don't know. It's kind of cool. It's, like, someone who's had experiences in a t- completely different yeah. city and time, but also and who's not like viewing decades. you as, like, a, like, kind of, like, child or completely different yeah. presence, but who is, who is like, seeing something in you that's a, that's, like, a continuation, but in a, in just, like, a, or, like, a reincarnation somehow, of of like a flame you know like yeah and I think at the time because I I was really new to New York so most of my time which I'm I'm I and like I fully enjoyed that period of of, of my life but most of my time was spent sort of being an observer a consumer a sort of like you know backup dancer to cultural production around me you know what I mean? Even even just like as a social energy, I was like new. I wasn't doing anything on my own necessarily mm. at that time. And so I saw myself as just like, oh, I'm just someone who has like a, a kind of normal job. Like I'm yeah. fully in this socially, but I'm not the person that's like, like painting the picture, running the party, whatever. You know what I mean? Writing the thing. Yeah. And so Walt, I think really, I think his, his encouragement because I've always seen him as he has so much experience navigating just like also just life in New York. He's seen two decades of it. He's done one whole wave of psychotic gentrification, maybe two, arguably, you know. And so yeah. he just has yeah, an understanding of things, yeah. you know, and he's so generous. He's, he's not. It's really rare to have someone that's lived as it's rare to just encounter someone that's lived as much as Walt has, particularly in the kind of, like, New York, like, everything's colliding together, are you in a band, you're, like, also at the club, you're just, like, totally just producing an entire world, like, to live through that, most people end up being really jaded, and so Mm. I find it really difficult, like, I've always loved, like, the Club Kid era, and even, even, like, what, the Electro Clash era, or... And he's someone that you can, like, talk and be close with and learn from, like... Um... Yeah. So it's it's New York City, um, July of 2020. It's hot as hell. 
everybody's just coming out of like a really intense, fearful period about hooking up. So people are, it's like summer times hormones times just like have a lot of catching up to do libidinally, sexually. It's, it's, it's really hot. It's really steamy and people are just like ready. Ready to go. Ready to go. And people aren't as jaded as they were before all of this and are just like generally a lot more appreciative and like excited to use whatever skills or or anatomical assets they're bringing to the table. Um, so it's just like a really cute climate for hooking up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so this guy hits me up. He's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Um, just like, you know, um, Peruvian guy, like super tall, mustache, um, five o'clock shadow, amazing eyes, but just like the whole like tall, dark, handsome scenario. Um, mm-hmm. And we realized pretty quickly we have uh, chemistry. Like we, you know, we like each other as types or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the vibe is cute. He seems like he's taking good care of himself. And so I'm just like, okay, yeah, let's definitely meet up. Um, how long had it been so, since how long had it been since your your last um sensual encounter um my let's see i'm gonna make it make a um draw a distinction between like having sex and a sensual encounter <laughs> um okay. and, and in that case like what's that i said meaningful distinctions important yeah yeah um, sensual encounter, it had been, it's been, it had been about a month, I would say. Mm-hmm. Three weeks, three to four weeks, um, years in, in, in perceptible time. But, uh, yeah, so I get to his place, he answers the door, and I'm just like, wow, you know, like really, really just like pleased with what I see, and, and even like, Beyond my expectations. Um, and, you know, there's a, I was, it's, you forget how vulnerable it is to be like totally sober and show up at a total stranger's house knowing that like minutes from the moment they open the door, you're going to be having sex or like beginning this sensual encounter with a total stranger. Mm-hmm. You acclimate to it quickly, but, you know, when you're not in the habit of doing that, there's usually like, this moment where your heart is racing a little bit just before they open the door. And then it's kind of up to the two of you to sort of like mediate that. Um, but he was really good about it. And we went into his bedroom and just laid down. Um, I had the most like amazing pair of zebra stretch velvet panties on, which he was, he was really excited about when, when they came off. Um, or when it, you know, when they were revealed, which was pretty quick. I mean, we chatted for a few minutes, but we kind of like couldn't keep our hands off each other. Um, yeah, and and he he just looked at it. He just looked at me, and he looked at the panties, panties, and he like, mm, I want to see your closet now, um, which for some reason turned me on. Um, and then he also nice. It's nice that their, like, sexual vision extends into the sartorial. Well, also, yes, exactly. And that, like, he noticed and appreciated the, the like, work. We'll call it labor, libidinal labor that I put into this encounter. And um, <laughs> um, and then he kissed me. And, bitch, I never in my life have I had this thought. But I was just like, Whoa. You have a really strong tongue. It was like, it was like a force. Like it felt, and I was, and I had, I had just swallowed it whole, and it was just like I started melting, like from the inside. And Mm -hmm. um, oh, I should also say that before the streaming just isn't really doing it for me. Um, I've seen DJ sets, streaming parties, and 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 like an explosion. So many of my friends on OnlyFans, um, 
And also like, you know, like, like every art magazine and every art institution now has like a channel. And there's a paradox in this that feels innately linked to the pornographic. Um, on the one hand, we see our, like, we get the opportunity to see our most basic urges to create, express, move, come, reduce to capital, to be exchanged via the various platforms that make up what is now a quite large sector of online activity. But on the other hand, arguably at least, it makes each of us m m more equal, equally, by virtue of that reduction, able to capitalize or monetize the things that say 20 years or even two months ago would have been deciphered through industries whose primary interest is predatory. And so this kind of like disillusion of sort of the production of media down to the sort of micro level, um, micro and individual level. I've had addictions to a few things in my life, namely sex, alcohol, and for lack of a better term, bodily, bodily control. Um, sex has always been the most dangerous for me, which is why the pornographic paradox has always been this stage upon which my neuroses finds its at least it most evolved language its most troubled and triumphant characters, its most painterly and vivid psychological plot twist. I was exposed to a range of sexually explicit literature, art, and film from a really, really young age, um, primarily and thanks to my father, who I spent my summers and alternating holidays with, beginning from the age of eight. I was a very sexually expressive um, child, um, especially for my age when I was younger, and found myself reprimanded by various adults and teachers and coaches for my ostensibly premature expression of sexual language and the performance of sexual objecti objectification um, that usually just it, like even just like the way that I would move my body would trigger responses from teachers or coaches and things like that. Um, one of my first serious disciplinary moments in pre-K was because I would play, basically I would, I would play a mother in the kind of like mock kitchen, house, whatever, and this was at a Christian daycare, and a lot of the boys from my class would do anything I said, and they would line up and complete these various tasks for me, after which they would kiss me on the lips and again on my neck, and I would sort of like command... Um, the boys that I thought were cute to do this in our little like mock house setup. Look around at Sis. Eldon's brim wider than the arms of the crucifix, but without promises. Looking into her eyes is impossible, so what could be found there must be sought elsewhere. Talma Olet's keyboard-wide bosom, always in tune, can't tell she most died bringing a no-count into the world. Unlike the old spinet, whose keys look perfect but don't deliver the notes, the pitches, then they come. Talma Olet shouts from kitchen below us, the sound coming up through water pipes and plaster, threadbare rugs that the padding feet beat to death, a demon-killing stomp. Through her own, our own feet, whose tapping is an African distress, call probably, but we're out of range, out of touch, although you can't tell from the way Talma's shout comes up on up through our root system, then out of our own mouths, though we're out of range of the pepper, out of touch with the onions she peels, holding for a moment, before the knife enters, a globe, a honeymoon, a cook's Bible that she chops into scriptures and makes us eat, tossing them into every course, soup, entree, dessert. Our shouting, our jubilation scares the ominous into crouching behind our ribs, where it intercepts what would best serve us if it reached our hearts. It does sometimes in the hint towards boogie-woogie, courtesy the tick in Elder Simpson's fingers, the improvised pauses, hops, physiological product of arthritis, spiritual product of faith, a holy rolling of the 88s when he plays sweet home tis the old ship of Zion. Church starts to drift there, crucifix, hand-carved, painted brown, life-size, becoming mainstay, frame of the storefront arc, serving Mount Pleasant, home of urban schools named for dead white presidents. Ushers pass out bread-sliced-shaped paper, almost thick as cardboard, stapled onto tongue depressors, fans from the House of Wills, funeral parlor, black-owned and operated, some might say death always was, 
not just grief shouts, not just fury rages. Go, Willa, go. Dance that holy dance. Shake those sinful tail feathers off. Go on, girl, shake that thing. Go on, girl, shake that thing. Let God have his way. Let the spirit take control. Luther Migby in the balcony with the wrong ideas for saving and the right ideas for apropos fresh ways humming Smokey Robinson. You really got a hold on me. One day he'll redirect his lust, shout, and taste the fruit of Eden. Won't have to eat again till Wednesday prayer meeting, Thursday Terry service, Friday reserved for the wakes. That's a, a text by Thylius Moss, um, who is a who is a poet, and I don't necessarily want to ask you just about um, what that text is or what you know about the text, mm -hmm. but about um, about text more um, text and uh, performance and language as something um, something that in itself has a powers. Mm -hmm. in the world not to be mm -hmm. too vague and yeah. too, too yeah. abstract about about this yeah. but to try to ask ab about whether this thing which is just talking that people mm -hmm. that people do and then mm -hmm. try to um form into whether it's memories or or lyrical um musings or directions or whatever it is but if it's um, if it's something that you train, for example, is it something mm -hmm. that you, that you Im improve over time and sort of gain a way of, of, of becoming more yourself through, um, through different approaches to language. Mm -hmm. So you, you've published a book and you've also, uh, perform like performed, um, uh, poetry that's very much in the spoken voice. So people, you know, hear your poems and, you know, access you as a force in the world mm -hmm. does that does that um is is that kind of art form something that <laughs> is it something that you that you like do would you would you say that Poetry is is like unique in the way that it can access your energies in mm -hmm. Yeah. Well I think I I text for text for me, text is a specific language for me, but text meaning something, it's almost even meaning something that is orated or recited or sung it's like it's like a mode of, of arranging language and piecing language together that I think just has a sort of markedly more like it has a fundamental desire to complexify the possibility to both experience and to reflect on that experience and those things being kind of simultaneous and so it's to me text and especially text is something that can be either recited in the moment mm -hmm. or rated in the moment but something that can be prepared like you can create yeah. rituals around it you can yeah. use it as a way to see your thoughts to externalize it, experience yeah. and like navigate it and feed it back into experience yeah. and it's and it but it's strange in a way that it's not a physical thing the way that other things that are kind of in the realm of artistic 
materials are maybe even more physical, more yeah. of a physical thing in the sense that the things that are paintings or even music is um, something that you're actually doing to your like physical environment. And mm-hmm. words are, are that, but they also like... Well, I think I this is I think this is why this is both my interest in performing like but also and then beyond that just performance as like a mode mm-hmm. of like expression but also as a mode of being is that that's that's one of the few chances that you get to fully actualize just like the power of just like sound text as sound Mm. being delivered and amplified and distorted and witnessed by people and having them it's really but to me like it's like really and like working with joe and aya i've gotten this because it's then it's, it's it's all like when you combine that with music and music becomes a way to just like to amplify the sort of space between oration and singing mm-hmm. and understanding that as a scale also of experience but also of expression is I've realized so much more of that through them and playing with them and like I Can I have so many I have a lot of different relationships to text mm-hmm. like te- like I love I mean you know I love to like the like letter, the like delivered or address, the just like delivered mm. address as form of like text living is I, you know, I feel so lucky that I get to. I'm actually like I'm alive and fully can and do actualize the possibility to express in that way feels so just. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine that I would ever have that, you know? Yeah, or not have it. Yeah, yeah, or not have it, yeah. Or have it. Yeah. 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 Do you think that dressing, like wearing clothes, like, or making clothes, or, um, but... More, more dressing, more putting them on, because it seems like sometimes clothes mm-hmm. just like exist in the world, whether you make them or whether you find them <laughs> or whatever it is. But like, if if you are feeling a certain way that you will dress, obviously you will dress a certain way. But the way that you dress becomes like always the way you feel, not in in just like the like. Okay, maybe sometimes. Well, it's dressing can also be a way to figure out. It can be. It's a way of figuring out. It's a way of articulating something. But what that something is can be a lot of different things that don't necessarily reflect like the immediately how you feel. Like it can also Mm. be like how you want to think or how you want to feel or yeah 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 wow you're like anatomically gifted yeah never in my life have i been so impressed by a tongue um and so yeah we're making out um yeah, he had a little more cake and he wore it really well and I kind of felt like I was getting this like exclusive look <laughs> at like a post-quarantine body or something. Um, and yeah, it just was like really smooth and seamless and, and popping and his dick was just like beautiful. Um, the, it was a vibe. It was a whole vibe. There was no like awkward like oh what position do I are you gonna split it was none of that it was just kind of like it was just kind of like here we go like like spontaneous choreography um, and no, then population doll 
No, <laughs> no, definitely was not. Um, what was that term you said the other day? Uh, assisted self pleasure. It was yeah. like antithetical, yeah. antithetical to that. This was mutual, um, you know, pleasure satisfaction, um, corporeal connection, um, and yeah, and then like when he he finally started going down on me and like so you know we're getting acclimated to each other we're realizing that we are extremely attracted to each other and we have this kind of like synchronous slow grind going a lot of rhythm our bodies are like proportionally super compatible we're kind of just like in awe of each other his eyes are really intense um you know, and you know, like when you're making out with someone and you pull back just far enough that your eyes can focus on theirs, um, that was happening a lot. And it was just like, Ooh. the whole thing was just like, 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 like movie. Oh, like, kind of like, disgusting. Kind of like, like art house romance novel. I love that. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but nasty also. And like two grown ass people who know what they like who know what they want and they, they know how to navigate another person's body respectfully and like, you know, just in a, in a way that's like really opens up the full libidinal potential of those two people coming together. It just mm-hmm. was so fast. And it had been a very long time since I had done that with a new person. There's, there's old trades that I can achieve this with, but you know, for, the, for meeting someone for the first time and having it be somewhat random and spontaneous, it was fucking fab. Um, mm-hmm. So we're gassed up. Anyway, um, he 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 says like you know he he like gestures for me to like come up and sit on his face, and I was just like more than happy to do that. Um, and he starts going down on me, and I was just like. Oh, oh my god like whoa i mean it was like full-on pornography was strange because it was a moment of an intense investment of desire and at the same time a disidentification the first time i came i was dancing in a mirror with streams of toilet paper connected to my wrist as a fan blew the streams into these kind of like beautiful lingering kind of like flits across my body. I was listening to um, 103.5 KTU, uh, which was a station um, in a New York City dance music station that actually played dance music at this time. And this is, I was at my dad's house in New Jersey. Um, and so I'm listening to this like dance music that's on KTU and this velvety, cotton of of you know the like soft toilet paper that my dad would buy moved across the surface of my body titillating me until I came giggling in shock and surprise as I entered my teenage years I really consumed my father's erotica fantasy and sci-fi illustrated novels pinup collections and the newest psychological and scientific research in the burgeoning fields of human sexuality I also watched a lot of porn. This aspect, I think, is similar to a lot of people who just grew up with high-speed internet access and had at least one parent who didn't, um, or, or for me, it was my dad's house because my mom was really strict, but who he didn't really care what we watched and that actually on some level even encouraged us to like explore you know, sexual information and media, whatever, whatever. But the plot twist for me came when I entered high school, joined the debate team. Um, I joined the debate team largely because everyone around me kept telling me that I needed a place to perform my kind of like bookishness, inquisitiveness, and I think what other people interpreted as like an adversarial nature um, or argumentative nature at least. Um, I had no clue what debate was and ended up as a 15-year-old being the star member of a debate team that was heavily invested in arguments centered on prison abolition, feminism, animal liberation, and like uh, post-structuralist critique. Um, a 
among a lot of other things that are just generally really intense, but but really illuminating to get to experience that um, as a high schooler in debate camp, which is basically just like academic research camp. Um, and I really, really, really took to feminist literature in the way that many of my peers took to sports or playing in a band or being obsessed with video games. Um, and it was here in the sort of like exposure to feminist literature that I got through debate that I first read Second Wave Feminist Critiques of Pornography. Um, a book that really changed my life was Women's Lives, Men Laws, Men's Laws by Catherine McKinnon. And this was like so important in my sexual and psychological development because after reading these texts, the various forms of like subtle kind of disidentification are just like, like, like the things about pornographic representation that made me pull back were given voice and an illuminated perspective that like I, I really couldn't unsee. And I was exposed to the work of black feminist legal scholarships who were talking, who were critiquing pornography from the specific perspective of its impact on black bodies and especially black women. And so this, I remember the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, and I was in the feminist and racial theory uh, lab at the Texas State University debate camp. I read um, Back on the Auction Block. And it was this repurposing of liberal feminist critiques of pornography centered on things like the distinction between pornography and erotica. Erotica involves images or depictions of mutually pleasurable sexual expression between equal and consenting subjects. It celebrates the body and contains an aesthetic or affectionate component. Pornography, on the other hand, treats the body as an object to be controlled or dominated. It portrays sex that is violent, degrading, or dehumanizing. And that's a quote um, from back on the auction block. I made the choice to, to divest from at least to at least from pornography because it felt like being a willing participant in my own erasure, particularly given that I felt like there was no porn that represented my um, intersex and or like materially queer body. And the same year I took this critical stance towards pornography, I lost my virginity and became heavily involved in online hookup sites, webcam broadcasting, and documenting my visual autoerotical auto auto journey with my high eight camcorder. Where pornography felt limited and where I now saw in my sexual partners and myself the recreation of pornographic depictions, freeing myself from porn made me feel of and in and in control of my flesh. The fundamentally exceptional nature of my body, intersex and at least androgynous as far as others were concerned, far before the wave of what we now understand to be visibility gave language to these forms, was an opportunity to provide language and create my own visual erotica. I broadcasted on my webcam, penetrating myself with vegetables from my kitchen, making mixtures of oil, salt, and honey to finger myself and lick the remains off. Thankfully, I never got a yeast infection. You should not um, finger yourself with honey or at least rinse it off after. <laughs> and I really went head first into just like the world of just, of, 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 kind of like sex and sexual media, but explicitly outside of pornography. Um, and it seemed like a space of self-determination, particularly when language was the interface, um, as it was on sites like Craigslist. People working in fields that are creative or tech live with Durkheimian senses of class as a constant. Everything is about groups defining collective identities in all sorts of slippery ways. A less common topic is a Weberian one um, about opportunity hoarding. There are constant eruptions of anger and attention to inequalities derived from access to credentials, for example. Or we could attend to how sexual harassment drives women off the path in particular workplaces, or how certain industries systematically exclude people of color. These are important conversations and, and indeed issues to fight. What's less common is to think that within a large concept of think that within a large concept of class, class has rights three dimension: property, author, authority, expertise, and now a fourth the power of information asymmetry. Race and gender oppression now connect to all four dimensions of class. 
The immediate problem is that the other ways of thinking class categorize people into clusters. They are indeed things that the vector of information technology can track and manage. It can tell you how many women earn how much money, or how many employees report being something other than white. Class in the Marxist sense is harder to make palpable. First, class means class antagonism. It's not a category, it's a relation. One that sometimes connects not individuals, but what Gerald Browning and others call individuals, units of being smaller than an individual. It turns out that individuals can indeed be further divided. One could think of class locations as including contradictory ones if one thinks of the people located by class as individuals. Or you could think of classes as quite nearly creating locations for individuals, which don't always correspond to the individuals of which they are parts. In this manner, the tension of people the tension people feel about parts of their existence as worker and hacker or hacker and aspirational vectorialist and so on can be made sense of, of another way. I'm obsessed with... What was the unit that was less than an individual? The individual? <laughs> the individual. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that I also like ask like the idea of an aspirational vectorialist somehow being in conversation with the hacker, like mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean the yeah, the 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 ways in which in Yeah, I, I don't know. Wait. I could we pause for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because we can, we can chop things up and pause and... Yesterday, he watched her send herself and questions to her reflection. Its only answer was... Midnight Macumba. Her realization to the degree it commanded her salvation and consumption, or rather was consumption, as a material catalyst for salvation, was a general one of hue. Black, after all, was the basis of most makeup colors, and her foundation was just a, was a just warm, cool midnight, just cool of burnt cerulean, descendant of solar blue, chromatics conditioned by the gas from which it learns to metabolize into flame, baking the stars of the Kampala skies, which renders wet, near hot drunk with the joy of an ecstatic lover's envy. Her realization was testing every shade of navy when she saw it in the cosmetics section, over-purchasing it so that after the come-down and the poor decisions announced themselves as such, she could have enough until she decided it was time for her tattoo. It's relief part of the expectation of it that had become a central trauma, when her body would be freed of a tipping point of its necessary labor. For Macumba to be midnight, whenever and wherever she chose to be. About enough show enough on the clarinet. Too much. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't too, want it to yeah, be just like be. this crazy romantic yeah, 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 yeah. hype. No, 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 no. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Like I think it has. It's like you know many places that yeah. it can be. I think that's giving a little too much. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe we could just record this tonight. Yeah, and we can, and I mean, because I think we can do yeah. something, we can come, we can do, add yeah. something to, and then boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
the tongue. Like, the tongue reached the G-spot. And we're, like, hitting it in all of these different ways. Um, and I, oof, like, my insides were just, like, melting. And I'm sure that my ass just, like, opened like a flower. And he kept, oh, and he kept remarking on how good I taste. And mm-hmm. how, and how um, he kept saying, like, what do, what do you do? How, how do you taste this good? Um, you know, and for someone who puts as much work as I do into keeping my gut clean and, like, keeping my body in good shape from the inside out, that this just, like, felt really good. Also, you know they're a freak when they can tell. You know they're a freak when they can tell. You know what I'm saying? So I was just like, wow. Just keeps getting better. Um, and... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think anyone's ever eaten my ass like that. And he went on and on. It, you know, he was like, he did it like like it was his not just moment to shine, but like pride and joy. You know, like I I felt like he was really proud to show me just exactly how good he is. And you know, it went on like that for like forty minutes, I would say. Yeah, um, I only knew that because I looked at the clock at some point, but it it just felt I don't know like time. I was like, who cares? <laughs> like, what is that right. concept? It doesn't matter right now. Um, and then yeah, he started fucking me and going back and forth between analingus and just like penetration. Um, you know, and it was just like. And then, like, eating me out and then kissing me afterwards, and I could, like, smell myself on his mustache, um, which is which is one of my fa- personal favorite details, um, sexually. This is, this is why, like, a mustache is, to this day, like, probably my favorite sex toy, or, like, or, like stubble. Um, uh-huh. Oh, also, he knew, he, had, he has a very deep voice, and he knew that he could use the deeper, lower ranges of his voice to vibrate and would do it, like, skillfully. And he kind of knew when to do that and when. It was it was like he was playing a musical instrument. It was like he had the high notes, he had the mid-range, he had the bass, there was a subwoofer, you know. Um, I was, and I was just like, whew, absolute ecstasy. Um, and then, you know, he... Really took his time. We were fucking a lot and going back and forth between all of these different, um, you know, like penetration versus analingus, mm-hmm. taking out and flipping around in a lot of positions. And he kept he kept like edging and almost coming and having to slow down, which I actually really like when that happens because it creates these arcs and like crescendos. Um, mm-hmm. And then yeah, eventually it came time to climax there was not like a verbal um agreement about that it just made we just knew it was just time um and he asked me like a fucking gentleman uh where i want him to put the nut mm-hmm. and um yeah and and at that point he was like fucking me doggy style and i was in so much ecstasy that I was just like right here right now <laughs> you know like fill me up um, fill me the fuck up fill me the fuck up all the way to the brim I want I want to be filled as far as possible with your nut immediately and I want to feel it explode like a like a like a you know um, and yeah, it was just so fab. And the whole time, you know, it's like I, every time he would like find these different ways of like making eye contact from like really weird and extreme angles and sexual positions. And it was just like I find his eyes so um, beautiful that it was like this this uh, punctuation throughout. Uh, when our eyes would lock, that was it was really special. Just pornographic fantasy. Whoa, 
slash slash art house romance novel. You're totally right about that. It's um, period. Yeah, so fab. Um, the impact that pornography had on me was indirect at its most explicit. I saw ads constantly on hookup sites, but they didn't really tempt or appeal to me, I'll say. I clicked through sometimes, saw the images and videos, and felt at most a sort of visual curiosity but never like full-blown arousal. I got my boyfriend <laughs> in college to stop watching porn early in our relationship, which now I feel insane for doing, but it did wonders for our sex life, or at least our sex life was wonderful, and I'm attributing that partially to um, the sort of like, because it wasn't about divesting from like sexual media, it was more about creating a world within ourselves in which we could express that to each other. And so that's what felt really, I think, cool about it. Um, we spent, I spent like a really long time in love with him and our, yeah. And it was a relationship in which sexual media, but not sexual media fed to us via this kind of like pornographic industry was like a big part of our relationship. But pornography hit hardest when my relationships became more on the, like, hetero spectrum. Um, when I was 25, I entered what would mark the end of one epoch and the initiation of the, another centered around men, sexuality, and pornography. I had been in one very long esoteric relationship that was kind of in its own world in terms of the sort of, like, politics and how both the politics and kind of where we how we related to media and the consumption of media and how the consumption of media affected our understanding of ourselves as individuals and ourselves as like a relationship dynamic um and so after we broke up i went through a period of like really 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 like full-blown like slutty reckless fucking and I was with someone who was also trans and the heavy and difficult nature of that relationship was completely untethered to the pornographic, at least in any significant way. Then I entered the most, what I, at least at that point, up to that point, the most free-spirited period of my life. I went to sex parties and orgies, discovered that I can, was an extreme masochist. I went through a period of like shadow slave play. I was a slutty barfly. Um, and I made, I also made money as a dominatrix. Um, this was also co like, uh, coincidentally, uh, when I was raped was during this period of time. Um, and so it was during this time that I started to revise my views on pornography, at least theoretically, as I was exposed to things like, um, the, the like world of kind of like queer porn, like community action center and, I went to started going to like queer porn festivals and whatever. I know this is really cheesy, but I saw the film Short Bus, which is like whatever. There's a lot of critiques about the makeup and the, the, the format of that film. But seeing that when I was younger was really Im Im important for me. Um, do, 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 